Network. It's Democrats' fault. It's Republicans' fault. They cheat. They suppress. You can point fingers anywhere. Plenty of blame to go around. Do you know whose fault it really is? The voters. For rolling over to the forces that have corrupted the elections in this country and simply giving up. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. You know that old saying, anybody that refuses to stand for something will fall for anything. Boy, does that apply in this political landscape today. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Going to end the week together, and I like that. I like starting the week with you, and I like ending the week with you. We are busy today. I mean really busy. So buckle in. We're going to get cranking. It's going to be a big day. You sheltered me from harm. Kept me warm. Kept me warm. You gave my life to me. Set me free. Set me free. Oh my gosh, those were great days, David Gates and Bread. 
He was working at a service station when he wrote all of these great hits that Brad had out in the 70s. And he kept the group together, I don't know, three or four years. He was the guy. He wrote all the music. He had that great voice. You just heard him. And they started squabbling. You know, success does a lot of things that changes a lot of people. And that's what happened to the group Bread. So David Gates said, look, guys, we can't get along. It's no big deal. All these songs I wrote, I own the rights to them. I own the name of the group Bread. And so y'all go do your own thing, and I'm just going to go do mine. And he just kind of went to the house (laughs) with a big pot full of money and those residuals that come when you write big hit songs one after another. I guess everybody, everybody in the United States is guaranteed not the success like David Gates and Brad had, but the chance to achieve it on equal basis. In other words, our forefathers, they guaranteed when they put the Constitution together that in this new world, this new nation, we were not going to have government that controlled every part of the citizens' lives. In fact, that's why they all came across the big pond to come over here and start a new country to get away from that. I mean, in England, at that particular time, the English kings and queens and princes and whoever else that they determined were powerful, they determined everything for everybody. And what they said went. People were at the way, way, way down bottom of that ladder. And after hundreds of years, the people rose up and said, not anymore. We want a nation of our own. And so they came over here, and they didn't come over here and immediately establish the United States of America. They created colonies. Remember the first 13 were the ones that did put the United States together and put it in play. But it was for common good, the common good of all the people. And not just a little class up at the top that ran and controlled everything. Does that sound eerily familiar to what we might be approaching now going back in this country to that kind of government? I mean, look around today. It's accepted. It's common knowledge We now live in a nation where there's supposed to be equal justice under the law. It's not. There's justice under the law, but the standards are set by those equity gods and goddesses. What do you mean, Dan? Well, our forefathers guaranteed equality, which meant everybody's on the same level to go out and pursue their dreams and create their lives and all the kind of things that they want to pursue. You want to be a musician? You've got a chance. Here you go. Go after it. Equality. That's something people can't control. But these autocrats, these bureaucrats slash autocrats slash politicians in Washington, D.C., they've taken it to another level. That's why we hear the incessant cries daily for equity, equity, and they want all of us to agree that equity and equality are the exact same thing. They're not. Equality, we say this about the truth all the time, but it's true about equality. It lives in a vacuum. No person can manipulate it. It just stays there, and everybody has an equal opportunity 
to use equality to their benefit and make life exactly what they want it to make. No guarantees they'll achieve victory for what they're pursuing, but at least they have the chance. Now, here comes those hardcore bureaucrats, those autocrats that want to run and control everything. They've got to put their thumbs on the scale, and they're demanding we give them that right. Just ignore the fact that everybody's supposed to have equal opportunities. They want to take that and weaponize it against us. This is nothing new. This has been around for as long as there have been more than two or three people on this planet. Everybody has this innate thing to achieve, to accomplish, to get all the things, all the achievements that they can put together, and they don't want anybody out there to try to stop them, but they don't mind trying to stop everybody else. I liken this comparison for you, and I'm giving you a little social slash civic input here today. And not because I'm smarter than you, but I'm older than many of you. And my 70 years gives me one thing that a lot of other people don't have yet. And that's a little wisdom because I've lived through a lot of this stuff. I liken it to, um, let's just talk about, because we're now in high school football. It started across the nation in earnest a couple of weeks ago. It's really rolling now. I went to a high school football game last night and uh, Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, Louisiana is a school that I'm affiliated with, six grandchildren. Uh, Two of them have already come through that school and graduated, and we have four more, of which three will graduate this year, and the youngest is now a freshman in high school. So I do the public address for football games, for Evangel Christian Academy home games. And so I liken the story of equity and equality when you put it in the context of high school football. Now, you look around the nation, there are football programs that are legend. They're historical. They have put together dynasties in football, and they dominate not just in their cities, but often in their states and even around the U.S. Evangel Christian Academy happens to be one of those schools. But why is one team or two teams in one district or one state, why do they dominate year after year after year? Well, obviously, they've got something figured out. And I liken it to the same thing we're talking about here. Because somebody always wants to grab and control whoever's doing better than they are and somehow get some of that that this other team or group of people have figured out and take it and make it theirs. But here's what they don't understand or they refuse to understand. It's like, um, I'm from South Louisiana, okay. Let me give you an illustration. You know what it is to go crabbing? Typically, the crabbers in South Louisiana that want to go catch a bunch of crabs and sell them to restaurants or distribute them around the nation. They use crab traps. And crab traps are a rectangular square. It's got a frame on it. And then there's chicken wire wrapped around it. All the way around, all 
of the sides, except one spot on the top. There's a big hole. And so what they do is they usually use chicken necks because crabs, for some reason, they can smell it for a long way underwater and they'll go to the smell of that chicken. And they'll climb up, the crabs will, the side of the trap to get over to get to the chicken and they have to go through that hole on the top of the trap. Well, when they get in there, they find the chicken and they may be going to eat some there, but then they're going to get out of the trap and go somewhere else, but they never get out of the trap. Now, why is that? Well, because they're not the only, only crab out there that wants crab, wants meat. And so other crabs come and they get in the crab trap and they too get the chicken and they want to get out. But very few of them ever make it out. And you know why? One guy, one smart crab will figure, I can crawl across the bottom and up the side and across the top and get to that hole and get out of here with my chicken. But before that ever happens, crabs below him reach up and grab him and pull him back into the trap where they are. It's called crabology. That theory is called crabology. And that's what we're seeing all around us. People look at people who are successful at doing anything, and everybody wants it. I want to be that. I can be that successful. I can do what he says, what he does, what she does. I can I can play that instrument probably better than them. But what's lacking is the desire and a commitment to do anything and everything that is required for me to be able to achieve that same thing. And so those people are lazy. I see it all the time in coaching. I gave you the the example of the high school football teams in one area. There'll be one or two schools that are just great, that have put together generations of great football programs and winning and championships. Evangel Christian Academy, football established in 1980. They have 15 state championships. They have more players that have come through Evangel that went to the NFL than any other school in the state of Louisiana. Now, what makes them so good? Well, they've been able to draw all that great talent to them. They've had great a great coach. Well, the current coach is my older brother, Denny Duran, and he was the original coach there. But there have been nine other coaches, and they've all won state championships. And you know why? Because they learned crabology and to not use it to get out of the trap with the chicken. So you have a bunch of people on earth today. They want to, with their mouths, take control instead of with their actions and achievements, take control. And so what do they do? Well, they play against these big dynamite schools every year. They hate doing it, but they go do it. And they never win. Occasionally they will, but very seldom do they win. And somebody asks them, why is Evangel so much better than us? Why can't we ever beat them? And the coaches will come up with 
answers for that. And the answers never have anything to do with their lack of preparation and knowledge and hard work. They put down the evangels in the world and they basically point fingers and say the only way they can be doing that is they got to be cheating. Instead of facing the facts and just recognizing we all have equality and our opportunities to do what we want to do and are willing to pay the price to achieve what's necessary to get there. Big difference. We have a generation of Americans, generations that are in my children's age and one younger than that, who have adopted that mindset, and it basically starts right here. Somebody owes me something. I'm going to sit here and gripe, and when I see something that somebody else has or something else that somebody can do and I want it, somebody's got to give me the same stuff rather than looking at it objectively and say, you know what, I'd like to achieve those results. I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone and I'm going to do anything and everything necessary to get that achievement on my own. We certainly have a whole bunch of politicians and bureaucrats in D.C. They haven't yet subscribed to the understanding of crabology. They want to stay in the bottom of the trap. They'll never get out of it. And they're going to scream and holler because they're getting cheated because they got out and I didn't get out. It's not fair. Today's show, you're going to hear a little bit of that illustrated. And Often, when I hear and see these circumstances, or I see interviews or listen to interviews, and people that have subscribed to the crabology theory, somebody owes me something, I almost laugh, and sometimes I do laugh, because it is so obvious, and yet people continue to double and triple down and quadruple down on stupid rather than being objective and saying, you know what? I have the same opportunity to build my program, build my business, build my relationship with my children, build my relationship with my wife. Everybody has the opportunity, an equal opportunity to achieve our objectives. But we don't make the commitment. We don't put our shoulders to the grindstone and do the things that are necessary to get there. Now you got this this morning absolutely free. Man, I can't believe you came up with that, Dan. I didn't come up with that. (laughs) I told you a story, the Crabology story. I got that from someone else. We learn from other people and other circumstances So instead of being jealous about your buddy having a great, successful company, you went to work for the man in your early career. Your friend decided, I'm going to roll the dice and go out there. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to start a company on just an idea. It doesn't mean one is better than the other. It's different mindsets. I know people that love to work for a paycheck. 
In other words, you go to work, you go interview, they offer you this compensation package with these benefits, and you just sign on, and you're happy with that. That is absolutely fine with me. My wife will tell you, and people that know me and my kids, they'll tell you, my dad, he didn't like getting paychecks. Now, what does that mean? I was one of these kind. I got out of college when Marianne and I got married, and then we get pregnant. We're going to have a baby. I was working in radio in Ruston, Louisiana. You can't make a living sufficient to raise a family in radio in 1975 and 6 and 7 in Ruston, Louisiana. You just couldn't do it. I needed a job. And I've always been one of those guys. I, I was always looking for a way when I was little to get some money. We got, my brother and I, older brother, we each got a quarter allowance a week. And even back then, quarter didn't go too far. So I figured out how to put a plan together, and I started mowing yards for the people in our subdivision. And I get that time I was getting two fifty a a yard. Some were a little bigger. I got three dollars a year for doing a yard to make a little extra money. That went with me to the position that I'm telling you about when Marianne and I were about to have our first child, and we needed to up our income. I got in the car business, and it my friends, was right down my alley because I finally understood what being an entrepreneur is. On the first of every month, I didn't have a dime made for that month. And the only way I made a dime was by selling cars. So what did I do? I worked my butt off. I found all of the secrets of how to find people that were interested in buying cars and the methodology to use to get them sold on the fact they needed to buy the car that I had at our dealership over the car that was at a dealership down the road and gave them a lot of explanations and reasons why. And I was successful more often than I failed. I later founded a company. 32 years later, I handed ownership of it off to my son-in-law that came up through the company, and he is an entrepreneur himself. Not everybody's wired the same way, but everybody is wired one way or the other. Find out where you are in your thinking. And I think it's good for each of us once or twice a year to sit down objectively and just think through. And sometimes it makes sense to get a pen and paper and write like number one, number two, number three, write a list of where you are in your life specifically and then look at it objectively and compare it to, make another list if you want, but compare it to what in is that other list of what you want to become, where you want to be living, what kind of job or career do you want to get to, and then break it down and come up with the process that it's going to take to get there. Instead of being jealous of the Bill Gates and the Elon Musk of the world, instead of looking at somebody and denigrating their success and just say, 
Ah, they had to cheat to get there. Instead of living in that world, live in this one. Man, he was successful. That means he knows something I don't know. I'm going to find out what the secret is and see if I can put that in my life. And maybe it doesn't fit. Entrepreneurship is not for everybody. I know people today, I have close friends that are making seven-figure incomes. That's a million dollars a year or more. Seven million, uh, seven is, seven figures, one million. And it goes up from there. And they're working for the man. They're in those kind of jobs. They've created in their rearview mirror a great past of success. And whatever sector they're in, they're one of the best in that sector. And they're being paid appropriately. But that didn't just happen. They have a career of proving that they can do that. And then there are people like me that just love. It's a challenge to go out and create something and just make it as good as you possibly can, offer goods and services to people around you, companies around you that nobody else knows about, or maybe they do, but they're not doing it nearly as successfully as you are for your clients. That's what happened to me. No matter how smart you are, no matter how smart you think you are, there's somebody else around you that's smarter. And don't be intimidated by that. Learn from it. That's the secret. Now, what does this have to do with TNN Live and Friday? What does this have to do with Joe Biden and Donald Trump and our election coming up? Well, let me point out one fact. As, as I was listening to David Gates and Brad, that opening song, Everything I Own, sitting here thinking, and I was looking at the calendar, do you know you know how deep we are in the conversation about the 2024 presidential election. It dominates our news cycle. I mean, we have another killer hurricane that's already a Category 5 that's out on the Pacific. It looks like it's going to be the biggest, baddest hurricane ever recorded. That's a big deal, but nobody's talking about it. Seriously, nobody's talking about it. This is where we are in our thinking. You know one of the biggest stories this morning in the news? Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, national championship winner from LSU, Joe Burrow. He's the Bengals quarterback. He, this morning, is the highest paid player in NFL history, Joe Burrow. Now, I'm not denigrating Joe at all. In fact, I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. Until a couple of weeks ago, a huge Cincinnati Bengal fan because they released a player that I'm really close to, Trent Taylor, who was a, a wide receiver and the best punt returner in the NFL. They released him the last day of training camp. Anyway, this is about, we're talking about Joe Burrow. Guess how much his contract is for? Oh, by the way, it's an extension. $275 million. (laughs) That is a huge story. But is it bigger or more important than that massive hurricane? (laughs) No, it's not. 
But everything lives in a set of circumstances, like the crabs and the crab trap. You got to have chicken before the crabs are going to come. And before the crabs can get out, they've got to figure, I just got to do the work myself and get up the side of the trap and crawl across the top and get through the hole and get out of there before some other crab pulls me back down on the floor of the trap where they are. That, my friends, is life. That's where we are, and we've just got to deal with it. So, back to the calendar. November 2024. That sounds like it's light years away. Do you know that's only 14 months? Now, you know the uproar that is out there about everything in politics. Now, politics in the U.S. dominates conversations like never before. Why is that? Will you have a political icon, an enigma that nobody can understand that is an amazingly successful American man, but he is very unconventional. He's a true entrepreneur. He's not my idol, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for his achievement. And of course, we're talking about Donald Trump. And then across the aisle, there's a 50-year Senate veteran, 50 years, eight years as vice president, two and a half years now as president of the United States, and he has the fewest positive accomplishments of any president I've ever lived through an administration of. Jimmy Carter, he had the lead for a long time. But Joe Biden has a clip, the peanut farmer from Georgia, Jimmy Carter. We've got 14 months that we're going to be talking about this every single day. So now we're 30 minutes into today's TNN Live. Let me ask you a question. We're going to go to a break. But on the way to the break, I want you to think about this through the break. Which part of this show rang truer to you so far today in just the first 30 minutes? Which part rang truer? What I just said about Donald Trump and Joe Biden and the election coming up? Or the crab trap story? Which one rang truer to you? Which one was more important to you? You answer that question for yourself, and that'll tell you a little bit about where you are on your life journey. Maybe time to kind of reassess a few things, don't you think? Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What do you say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT? Turkey bread. Limited time of participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. 
I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman. So I got you started off today, got you thinking about a whole lot of things. Now, you can put in the context of what we talked about, and I'll just call it crabology. You can put our political stuff in that context. It all works the same way. People that are successful can be successful, and many are in other areas because they get the process ingrained. They understand it. They know how to work it, and they repeat it again and again. Throughout our history, you know people that have done just that. People in the military. Great warriors in our old history books that would conquer countries. Free people that were in bondage. They were just good at that. And so they just repeated it again and again and again. So let's put all this in the context of our election season. Overnight, CNN put a poll together and they put it out and a kind of surprising turn of events. Republican candidate Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina and ambassador to the United Nations, she's leading President Joe Biden by six points in a CNN poll of all places, handily outpacing even former President Trump. Now, of course, it's a hypothetical matchup. But in that matchup, CNN has the former South Carolina government governor beating Biden 49 to 43%. Trump beats Biden 47 to 46%. And Ron DeSantis ties Biden at 47 So to round out a poll that many will doubt considering its source, former VP Pence got 46% with Biden getting 44 Tim Scott scored the same as Pence. Ramaswamy had 45% to Biden's 46, and Chris Christie landed 44% to Biden's 42. Now, what kind of credibility do you give to that poll? Consider the source. It's CNN. They very seldom tell the proof, the, the truth if ever. The poll was conducted on Thursday. That was yesterday. It's causing the leftist media to proclaim that Nikki Haley is the GOP's best chance 
to beat Biden. But one biased leftist poll does not make a quorum in the race. Conservatives just are not going to fall for these CNN numbers. CNN is claiming Haley is the only one to escape the margin of error in the poll. How can they say that? Well, they can say anything they want to because it's their poll, right? Flip the script to Republican polling. And an entirely different scenario shows up. Every candidate trails Trump by double digits, and they aren't low double digits either. DeSantis is the only other candidate polling in double digits currently. Now that again is according to Fox News. Haley, who was an impressive ambassador to the UN under President Trump, she's hinging her campaign on her very well thought out and successful foreign policy expertise in her time as South Carolina's governor. But conservatives are not yet sold on Haley by any means. She's spoken against Trump, has disastrously handled issues such as taking down historical statutes in her state. One of Haley's strongest selling points is she's very blunt that a vote for Biden is actually a vote for Kamala Harris. We all know Joe Biden thinks he's going to run and win this election, and then he's going to hand it off to President Kamala Harris, Haley claimed on Fox News on Wednesday night. She declared that she would stomp all over Joe Biden in a matchup and then said, everybody really needs to know this is me running against Kamala Harris for president. So the female presidential candidate is the only one so far calling for age restrictions for U.S. politicians that would mandate elderly incumbents to prove their mental acuity. I don't think it should just be for elderly incumbents. I think every person that wants to be a member of the federal government needs to be tested for their mental acuity, probably once a year at least. Just my thoughts. Haley mocked the U.S. Senate last week as a nursing home, a sentiment many Americans now agree with. And that declaration follows another one of those incidents involving House Minority Leader Senator Mitch McConnell freezing for a second time in mid-sentence as he publicly spoke. I watched both of those incidents. It's really eerie and strange to watch. It has to be some form of a, uh, a mental issue, maybe a mini-stroke or something like that, because his face and everything is just solid the same. It doesn't move, no blinking, for about three minutes, three or four minutes each time. It's kind of scary, actually. It's sad, Haley told Fox News in an interview, specifically referring to McConnell's incidents, no one should feel good about seeing that any more than we would feel good about seeing Diane Feinstein and many more that we should feel good about a lot of what's happening or seeing in Joe Biden's decline. That all makes sense. What I will say is right now, the Senate is the most privileged nursing home in the country. Now, this is Nikki Haley talking. I mean, Mitch McConnell has done some great things. He deserves credit but you have to know when to leave. She's pushed for every politician over the age of 75 to complete mental competency tests, 
before being allowed to run for re-election. It's a move that's gaining ground considering the age and mental condition of a number of Congress members. However, there's a caveat there. It would take a constitutional amendment to make that happen. Anything short of that, it's going to be tested, and I'm sure it'll be kicked down by the Supreme Court. I think we do need mental incompetency tests for anyone over the age of 75. This is Haley talking. I wouldn't care if they did them over the age of 50, obviously. She doesn't care because she's not over 50. But these are people making decisions on our national security. And that's the one thing that matters the most. It has to do with our national security. Look at how Joe Biden is failing in our relationships with normal countries and their leaders that are friends and allies of the United States. And many of them don't even want to have a conversation with Joe. Xi Jinping's not even going to the G7 summit in India that starts today. And he's doing it purposefully to send a message to Joe Biden and the nation that China no longer is worried about the United States. And these people, these nursing home candidates that Haley's talking about, they're making decisions about our economy, about our border, passing laws, spending taxpayer dollars. We need to know they're at the top of their game. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not being sexist or being chauvinistic or being unsympathetic with people that are older. We're all going to go there sooner or later. We just have to deal with the facts. That's interesting. Speaking of that, you remember when all the stuff happened up in Minneapolis, the Floyd stuff when Floyd was killed by those cops? In the aftermath, Minneapolis burned, Black Lives Matter were doing their thing. Of course, they've never been held accountable for any of that and never will. Why? Because we understand where they come from. They were disadvantaged. And they're angry for that. So they're going to act out their anger. We've got to be understanding. Of course, that doesn't help out the couple that had invested their life savings in a new business. I mean, literally, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the infrastructure for a new coffee shop restaurant that Black Lives Matter burned to the ground. Don't even talk about that. But anyway, a Democratic Party chairwoman in Minnesota, after all that happened in Minneapolis, she was the number one person to call for defunding the police. And she's been a steady, adamant supporter of defunding the police until yesterday. Yesterday, she thanked the Minneapolis police, and then she pushed to prosecute youths that are running wild Why? Because she was carjacked, despite previous support on her part for dismantling the Minneapolis Police Department. Shavanti Sethananda, the second vice chairwoman for the Minnesota Democrat Farmer Labor Party, posted on Facebook that she was violently carjacked by four very young men, all of them carrying guns. She said they assaulted her in front of her children outside their home in broad daylight. She also included a picture of her head injuries, reported having a broken leg, deep lacerations on her head, bruising and cuts 
around her body as well as feeling rage against the lack of accountability against criminals. These men knew what they were doing, she said. I have no doubt they have done this before. Yet they are still on our streets, killing mothers, giving babies psychological trauma that a lifetime of therapy cannot erase. With no hesitation and no remorse, she said. And she continued, I'm now part of the statistics. I wasn't silent when I fought these men to save my life and my children, and I won't be silent now. We need to get illegal guns off our streets, catch these young people who are running wild, creating chaos across our city, and hold them in custody and prosecute them, period. She said, look at my face. Remember me when you were thinking about supporting letting juveniles and young people out of custody to roam our streets instead of holding them accountable for their actions. And she concluded by writing this, thank you to the incredible Minneapolis 4th Precinct officers, Mayor Fry, Chief O'Hara, paramedics, neighbors, friends, and DFL family who all came to our aid during that terrifying experience. I'm so grateful for this community that wraps us in love. That's kind of a stark contrast to what she said back in June of 2020. You want to hear what she said then? Listen to this, quote, We are going to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. Say it with me, she said. Dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. As allies, what can we do right now? Listen and learn from our black siblings and then amplify this message right now in this moment. Minneapolis Police Department has systematically failed the black community. They have failed all of us. It's time to build a new infrastructure that works for all communities. If you are still disagreeing with that basic fact, I'm not sure what to say to you. Isn't it interesting how our opinions seem to morph a bit based upon the circumstances we find ourselves in and going through? Look at what's happening with all of the illegal Aliens coming across our southern border. Oh, they're not all hanging out in Texas like they used to. Yeah, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, those were the only states that had to worry about these illegals coming in, so we don't care about it up here in, oh, I don't know, Illinois, New York, Maine, Washington. We don't care about that. Y'all deal with that. And now Eric Adams comes out yesterday and he preached a sermon (laughs) about we can't handle this stuff here. Yeah, we labeled our city, New York City, we labeled it a place where everybody can come. We're a sanctuary city. We're opening our doors to everybody. That was kind of like the lady from Minneapolis that we just talked about. It's easy to take a political tack and stick to it until reality sets in on you and your world. And then all of a sudden, facts really matter, and facts make a big difference, a big difference. 
early this morning, I was catching up on news from last night. I came across this and it really, really upset me. I want to spend a minute talking to you about it. It's politics, and I hate politics. I don't know. I can't say that. I don't mind wading into the process, but I hate to deal with people that will not do it the legal and right way. They want to weaponize every part of every process that has anything to do with politics and, of course, use all that against anybody that disagrees with them. There's a new formation, a coalition of 22 groups that include prominent left-wing organizations. These 22 groups have pledged more than $500 million, half a billion dollars, to fund local media publications over the course of five years. Now, what's this about? This new coalition is called Press Forward, and many of the groups in it appear to have a left-wing bias based on their funding and initiatives, although the group states it has independence of any ideology. This coalition plans to reverse the downward trajectory of local news outlets and close long-standing inequities in journalism coverage and practice. Now, there you go. Equity. We talked about that in our opening today, the difference between equality and equity. And the difference is equity can be manipulated and always is by people. Equality is absolute. Since 2005, about 2,500 newspapers have stopped. They've ceased operations. This number is rising. Many that are still in business have been forced to reduce staff. Press forward, they tell us, will allocate the $500 million to fund grants to support local newsrooms, provide resources to diverse publications, and assist in developing collaborative tools. And they even define that a bit, those collaborative tools such as legal support, membership programs. The MacArthur Foundation is leading the coalition, and they pledged $150 million in grants. This is according to the New York Times. It has frequently contributed to left-wing organizations like, oh, I don't know, Planned Parenthood, Tides Foundation, Environmental Defense Fund, according to its grant database, giving more than $5 million to each of these, according to Influence Watch. The Knight Foundation's been around forever. They're also donating $150 million. And they have previously given over $1.2 million to nine universities and nonprofits to, quote, combat disinformation in communities of color. Knight Foundation donating $150 million to combat disinformation in communities of color. Now, there are some implications with that, don't you think? In other words, there's only disinformation in communities of color. Communities that are not of color, there's no disinformation there. If that was true, CNN, MSNBC wouldn't be out of business. 
The other 20 groups, they're giving the remainder of the over $500 million, one of which is Democracy Fund, an organization run by left-wing billionaire Pierre Omidor. Democracy Fund provided a $130,000 grant to Center for Internet Security to fund a portal that was used to flag and censor social media content containing misinformation. There's the equity thing. Define misinformation. Well, honestly, misinformation is anything you say that is not what I think. So it's misinformation, and we've got to stop that. Furthermore, the Ford Foundation is a member of this coalition, an organization that helped launch the Black Feminist Fund in 2021 with $15 million in seed funding. It's according to their own website. Another member of the coalition is Archwell Foundation, which is run by Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Oh my gosh, of course, that's loaded with content, right? Press Forward seeks to reverse the dramatic decline in local news that has coincided with an increasingly divided America and weakening trust in institutions. It all sounds so fluffy and kind and benign, but the thing that grabs your attention, $500 million. Now, let's be honest with each other. We're talking about this. That sounds like You know, a benign thing. Oh, they're just going to put local news back on the map. Local news has been bought up by all these big news organizations, and local news really is an afterthought in most cases. We want the people across the nation to let everybody in their communities know every day what's going on. So it sounds benign. But isn't it true When people or even a person, when they give big sums of money to specific calls that are brandished like we're going to tackle disinformation, that just doesn't make sense, does it? Think about it. We're talking about local news that is kind of filtered away. There is no disinformation in even communities of color on a local basis now. Well, there may be some there, but it's been there all along. It's not something all of a sudden that the evil guy, the orange man, pulled out of his pocket and threw it out there on black communities across the nation. Hey, here's some disinformation. Y'all concentrate on that for a while. Money begets control. They may bring back some of these local news operations, but you can bet if they do, those news operations funded with this half a billion dollar, whoever's running them, whoever's working there, is going to be held to a leftist standard. What they report will be slanted towards leftism and away from liberty equality, and justice for all. Just a wake-up thought. That's coming down the pike. Well, you want to circle back for a second? We hadn't even talked about the latest big corruption of the Biden family syndicate. 
Jesse Waters last night, he got together with James Comer, chairman of the Oversight Committee, and every day now, it seems like more information comes out that really makes it look more positive that Joe Biden got caught with his hand in the cookie jar and maybe more than one cookie jar. Here's Jesse with Comer last night. Liberal Bill Maher went on MSNBC and humiliated them. Now, does the Hunter Biden scandal stink? It really does. Stinks to the high heavens. I mean, that's real corruption there that a lot of the left-wing media will not cover. If Don Jr. Sure. had done the things that Hunter Biden did, it would be every day. Yeah. Most Americans now think Biden was involved in Hunter's dirty deals when he was Veep. When you see corruption and you ignore it, that makes you corrupt. And today's Democratic Party is drenched in corruption. But because the media hasn't covered Biden corruption, Democrat politicians are goading Republicans to impeach him, which will entertain us because they don't know what they're walking into. John Fetterman, not who you'd really consider a cunning or crafty tactician, is daring Republicans to impeach. Go ahead and do it. I dare you. You know? You know if, you can find, if you can find the votes, you know, go ahead. Just, you know, you're going to lose. Your man has, what, three or four indictments now, and, and you're going to... So, like, like I said, you know, like sometimes you just got to go colder. Colder Fetterman then went on to say, and we're grateful we don't have audio of this, quote, it would just be like a big circle, rhymes with Turk, on the fringe right. This is who the Democrats designated as the next FDR. House Oversight Committee ranking member, Congressman James Comer, joins me now. Congressman, when you get an impression from Democrats in the House, do you feel like they're scared of an impeachment, or do you feel like they're maybe egging you on? Well, honestly, Jesse, I think they're egging us on because, you know, history has shown that uh, when Clinton was impeached, the Republicans lost the majority, and when uh, Trump was impeached, the Democrats lost the majority. But what we have here, the difference between, you know, Clinton lying about his affair and, and Trump having a phone call asking about corruption with Ukraine, which, by the way, did happen by Joe Biden. What we have here with, with Joe Biden is a situation where he's lied countless times about his knowledge and involvement in what is a major corruption story. I think this is the biggest uh, corruption story that we've ever seen from a high-ranking politician in the history of America. I mean, we've got a president whose family's selling access to him to bad people in bad countries, and now we're finding results of where he has done things to benefit these bad people, like when he fired the prosecutor, Shokin, in Ukraine because the prosecutor was investigating his son for corruption. So this is very serious, and this is not like any other type of impeachment that I think our country's seen before. So where do we stand with these offshore Biden family accounts? That's where the action seems to be. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, when the IRS whistleblowers testified, uh, they did answer a question that they were uh, aware of offshore accounts and they were working to get them. And that was about the same time that uh, the DOJ and their superiors at the IRS told them to stand down. So we're confident there are offshore accounts. But remember, what you've seen with all these bank accounts that we've found, uh, we found over 20 bank accounts. Each shell company had at least one bank account. They were in different people's names. Like the first bank account we subpoenaed was called Robinson Walker. It was in Rob Walker's name, but Hunter Biden was a uh, owner of that account and a recipient of 40% of that Chinese wire. So they set these up to be complicated. They set these up just like they did the pseudonyms with the emails. They set everything up to try to deceive any future investigation. So are you confident and, you're going to be able to untangle that thing? Crime. We need to know from the IRS whistleblowers those offshore accounts and where they are. Uh, we also have uh, other people in other countries that I think uh, have valuable information for us. So it's complicated when you go outside of the United States. It's complicated if they're in, uh, for example, Swiss bank accounts. Uh, those are you know, the hardest of, of any type of account to, uh, to get information on. But we're doing everything in our ability. And I think at the end of the day, we will just thank God for the Irish whistleblowers. But as we speak, they're being under so much pressure by their superiors at the IRS and the DOJ and the Biden lawyers uh, to, to be silent. And the impeachment inquiry turbocharges your power. Yes, okay. yes. We need that, especially when we go for offshore accounts in other countries. Got it. All right. Congressman James Comer, thanks as always. Keep us posted. So listening to that back and forth between Comer and Jesse, the obvious popped out for me for consideration, the clock. The clock is ticking. Now, I'm not just talking about, you know, we've got uh, an election coming up. We want to get all this resolved before we have an election. We don't want to see Joe Biden reelected, if especially he's actually caught up in the real corruption that he appears to be part of, to have been part of at least. That's not the big concern for me, and I don't think it's a big concern for Democrats. What they're trying to do is run the clock out and make it such that there will not be factual evidence that proves or disproves any of these allegations. And unless there is cold, hard, concrete proof of there being wrongdoing, the Democrats will crucify Republicans in the 2024 election. That's just the way politics works. So Comer, Jim Jordan, they're probably the most aggressive members of the House of Representatives in my recent memory. They're out there doing the best that they can do. But the wheels of justice in Washington, D.C. are very, very slow to turn when it's a Republican cause trying to get information about Democrat causes and wrongdoing. I wonder why that is. There's got to be a reason for that. I've got a hypothesis. Just wanted to challenge you to think about it yourself. What could be going on there? And in my opinion, there's only one thing that could be going on. They're doing everything they can to hide the truth. 
let the clock run out. Statute of limitations already has on those two massive multi-million dollar income tax fraud cases that the Delaware federal attorney, attorney had been investigating Hunter Biden for five years. He never made any charges. Why is that? Let the clock run out. Statute of limitations ran out. He can't be prosecuted for those two illegal acts that cost the American people a fortune. But see, that's what you can do when you have and own the seat of power in D.C. And this corruption, this political corruption that's all around us, we're immersed in it every day. It's not exclusive to the Democrat Party. It's not at all. Wrongdoing and evil is inexorably linked to struggles for power. Used to be money years ago. Ah, they threw that out the door. Why? If they have the power, they can garner the power. They can control everything. Money's just one notch on that belt. That is what needs to be tackled in earnest. I don't see it happening, and honestly, I don't think it would be happening right now if the Republican Party controlled both houses and the White House. It may would be. I'm just saying, based upon the normal political merry-go-round that we live on and watch what happens, they put everything off. They delay everything. And then they roll out these horrible things, these major stupidity allegations, finding that they did this and didn't do that and we're not doing this and money went to the wrong cause and all that kind of stuff to divert our attention away from what's really going on. You know, that hand behind their back, not the hand they're waving in our faces. And there are so many moving parts. The American populace just can't keep up with it. And their media lapdogs, they keep the concentration on what they report and their focus to keep us, our attention diverted from the reality. But we're thinking about what they want us to think about. That's the way they roll in Washington, D.C. So let me drop a little truth bomb on you, something that has been happening very quietly behind the scenes, and it has to do with oil, our oil. Joe Biden has siphoned off a huge portion of our strategic petroleum reserve. Yesterday on CNBC Squawk Boss, CNBC Contributor Managing Director, Global Head of Commodity Strategy for RBC Capital Markets, Halima Croft, stated yesterday that because Joe Biden cannot lower oil prices by releasing a large amount of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, why can't he do that? Well, it's at extremely low levels, thanks to Joe just selling it willy-nilly, trying to get the price of oil at the pump down a little bit so he can crow about, look what I'm doing. I'm getting the price of gas and oil down for you. But he's doing it by stealing, basically, from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which we have there to help us 
different states, different areas of the country that go through these emergency, most of the time, weather-related incidents, and they can't get access to energy, and so Strategic Petroleum Reserve is there for them. Well, Joe's selling it to all his buddies overseas. Co-host Becky Quick on the show asked, so we had thought that oil prices were going to be higher. We've kind of dodged that bullet. It's been the one area where inflation hasn't been really rampant. Are you thinking that we are in for higher prices for an extended period of time? And Croft answered saying, the challenge for the Biden administration right now is this. They do not have up their sleeve probably another blockbuster SPR release, Strategic Petroleum Reserve release. And so they're having to rely on energy diplomacy. Now, that is a word, the D word, diplomacy, that it's not even in comprehension for President Joe Biden. He's doing good to even be cognizant about anything energy-related, let alone energy diplomacy. She continued, and you mentioned the G20. The question is, can President Biden try to secure additional oil relief from the Saudis as part of this mega deal that has been in the works? Negotiations have been ongoing for several months about a deal that would include Israel normalization, assistance for the Saudi civilian nuclear program, new security guarantees for Saudi Arabia. Can they get this mega deal across the finish line? And would it include some form of oil relief. And she didn't answer the question. The question is unanswered. Now, you want me to answer it for you? Joe Biden will never pull a deal like that together. He never will. He does not know how to make a deal. Unless, of course, he's negotiating for himself. A.K.A. Burisma Holdings and Joe bragging about the way he blackmailed Viktor Shokin and the former president of Ukraine to fire Shokin, who was about to put Hunter Biden and other fellow members on the board of directors at Burisma, put them in jail. Joe is so unappreciated in world standing among politicians around the globe, Xi Jinping didn't even bother to go to the G7 summit that starts today in India. Joe bragged for two years now. He hadn't seen Xi Jinping, hadn't talked to Xi Jinping, but he kept pointing to the G7 saying, oh, I'm going to get together with Xi Jinping when I'm there and we're going to work on this together and work on that. <laughs> Xi Jinping didn't even show up. Every day, something new comes out that illustrates things aren't really good for the American people as it pertains to doings internationally through our president because our president is not held in high esteem around the world like, oh, I don't know, the orange man was. When he was first elected, they laughed about it. But when he started doing the job of being the representative for the United States internationally, they all stood up and paid attention. And he was more accomplished at getting things done internationally 
than any other president has been since maybe Bush 41. Think about that during this break. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? (sighs) I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. I don't care who you are. Whenever you hear that song, you start clapping your hands. I don't even remember what year that was. Back in the 60s, 70s. Basketball games. College basketball games. That's where you hear it most of the time. The band plays it and everybody gets a little wild about it. But isn't it cool? We have songs like that that uh, become staples that we live with and recognize every time they get played that way. So talking about international stuff, Joe just jetted off. He said that he couldn't go to East Palestine, Ohio, because he was literally about to jet around the world. He couldn't think of where he was going. He was going to the G7 summit in India, and that's where he is. But there is another great American everybody knows, very respected around the world that has been overseas. He's been overseas in Africa, John Kerry. John Kerry has been overseas. He is the self-appointed climate guru for the Joe Biden administration. And as the ending came of that big summit, the climate summit in Africa, Kerry had some more warnings for us here in the United States. John Kerry always tells us exactly the way things are. So yesterday... On the broadcast of CNN International's first move, John Kerry, his official title is Special Presidential Envoy for Climate. He was appointed. He was not confirmed by the Senate. He does not answer to anybody in our government, which means, especially since it's John Kerry, you can bet everything that is going on benefits John Kerry in a big way. Kerry reacted to groups like Just Stop Oil blocking traffic or vandalizing artwork by stating this, that militancy will grow if people in positions of responsibility do not take action. And he continued, but I would also say 
that you're not going to help win any converts by destroying a great work of art or making it very difficult for people to get work and so forth. And I admire people who are willing to put themselves on the line, even in civil disobedience. But you understand that when you are civilly disobedient, there are consequences. And that's part of making the point you want to make. I think right now we need people to be moving the political process as constructively as possible. Now let me define for you what he meant in all this that he said. He didn't have a clue what he meant, and I don't have a clue what he meant. It's gobbledygook. It's climate mess. That doesn't have to mean anything specific. Just because you talk about climate change and you have a title as the special presidential envoy for climate, you can say anything and everybody's going to clap their hands. Yeah, that's true. Host of the show, Julia Chatterley, asked Carrie this. Can I ask your views on direct action? Just Stop Oil comes to mind. These are the guys that at the National Gallery in the UK, they threw soup on Van Gogh's sunflowers. They're clearly a passionate. They're stopping traffic around the world. They're in many ways fighting the causes you are to protect the planet. They're just going about it in a sort of disruptive way. Advice for them, thoughts for them. And of course, when those questions came out, everybody waited breathlessly for John Kerry to respond. And so he did. Quote, Well, I understand people who feel very, very deeply that they need to demonstrate or that they're fed up with promises that aren't fulfilled. And there's certainly a growing militancy in the world. And that militancy will grow if people in positions of responsibility do not take action. But I would also say that you're not going to help win any converts by destroying a great work of art or making it very difficult for people to get to work and so forth. I think how you select what you do and what you do is always quite critical And I say that as somebody who demonstrated and who was involved in protest, I respect that right. I admire people who are willing to put themselves on the line, even in civil disobedience. But you understand that when you are civilly disobedient, there are consequences. And that's part of making the point you want to make. I think right now we need people to be moving the political process as constructively as as possible. Now, Kerry wasn't finished. He went on, and we get to the heart of the matter with this. Quote, and what we need is sort of massive pushback against, you ready for this? Against nonsense. And for instance, subsidizing the problem by making where we subsidize some of the industries that are creating the problem in the first place. We should not now be approving or financing any new unabated coal fire power plant, for instance. And I think it's critical for us to be making the really hard choices and the critical choices that will define the future. Clearly, you can't stop overnight. You can't just shut down all the economies of the world. Nobody. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. 
But what you do need is to get everybody at the table and come to agreement as to what the levels of responsibility are for the various sectors of our economy. Work constructively together as we are trying to do in order to provide new solutions to these problems. And we're seeing that happen. Let me interpret all of that gobbledygook for you. He doesn't have a real answer. He doesn't have a factual answer for any questions on anything to do with climate change. He just goes over to the the file cabinet, wherever it is, the answers. He opens the file cabinet, pulls out the folder that has answers to all climate questions. And he just picks one to answer with. Kerry is the chiefest of the people that are related to our government at talking in circles and denigrating people that do one thing and one thing only, disagree with him, what he thinks. And he has an understanding that he's the guy that nobody should disagree with. So what you need to do is we all need to get together. Oh, you know, we've we've got to get everybody at the table, come to agreement as to what the levels of responsibility are for the various sectors of our economy, work constructively together. Interpretation, we got to sit down at the table. You idiots got to shut up, shut up, listen to me because I'm the one that's endowed with the righteousness regarding climate change. And everything I say has got to be followed or we're all going to die and the world's going to be destroyed by climate change. Oh, by the way, have any idea how much we're paying him? Have any idea of what the budget is that we spend to fund his office and the people that work with and for him? They're all federal employees. For that matter, so is John Kerry. But nobody knows. Well, there are somebody somewhere that knows, but nobody will tell anybody. And Congress can't get John Kerry to give that information up. Now, especially in light of all of the other stuff going on, that thought, what I just told you, Congress can't get any information about John Kerry, compensation, expense of his operation, who's working for him and how much they're paid, what's the budget for travel. That's a big thing with Kerry because his wife, Teresa Hines Kerry, owns a jet charter company. They own a fleet of jets that they use to fly all over the world. Mr. Climate Change. He's tried desperately to deflect any answer for the question he gets asked by media all the time. Do you have a private jet? Do you fly on private jets? Which is the hypocrisy of climate change. Because the people that touted Al Gore, remember, he's got a private jet. Those are the people that they're totally abandoning what they're telling everybody else we all have to do, which is stop using fossil fuel. Private jets burn three times more, create three times more fossil fuel um, carbon emissions per person 
than any other type of transportation. But yet they use it all the time. It's because they're enlightened, they're endowed, they're better than you or me. We were speaking about Joe Biden and what's coming up and what's happening now in the ramp up to the 2024 election. Every day it just seems like Joe Biden becomes less cognizant about what's going on in the world. And when he's asked questions, when he's interviewed, his answers just get foggier and foggier. So his number one representative in Washington, D.C. would be the White House press secretary, Ms. Corrine Jean-Pierre. So she stepped out and she made a decision. Turns out it may have been a bad decision to go sit down with Jake Tapper at CNN and talk about old President Biden. Democratic activist over on CNN, Jake Tapper, had cringe Jean-Pierre on the show yesterday to talk about Biden's age and unpopularity. Press poll finds that most Americans believe that President Biden is too old to be president. The poll looked at 80-year-old President Biden versus 77-year-old Donald Trump. 77% of adults say Biden is too old to be president. 51% of adults say Trump is too old. And if you look at the breakdown by party, Republicans generally don't think of Trump's age as an issue, but both Democrats and Republicans agree Biden is too old. So here's the question. Is the White House worried that questions about President Biden's stamina could ultimately impact whether or not voters will be able to support him for a second term? So I'm going to be careful about 2024. I can't speak to that directly, but... You can talk about the perception of the public with the president's stamina and his age. I'm I'm happy to talk about that. I get asked that question a lot. Here's the thing. You know, what this president brings to this administration is wisdom and experience. And you and that is just true with as senator, as vice president and now as president. And we just talked about we had a really and I appreciate the conversation that we had on Medicare, the, the 10, the first 10 tranche of, uh, of, of uh, prescription drugs that we just introduced because of the Inflation Reduction Act. And that is the thing that the president is able to do is deliver, really move forward historic pieces of legislation, change the lives of Americans for generations to come. And that is what we focus on, the president's record and what he's been able to do. Look. People have come after the president about his age. They did it in 2019. They did it in 2020 leading into the general election. And they they did it in 2022. And guess what? He beats them every time because he has his finger on the pulse on what it is that the American people need. He talks about issues that really matter to the American people. And he is delivering. Is there more work to be done? There's always more work to be done. But we are happy to take that on. Certainly not going to talk about 2024. But what I can speak to is what the president has been able to deliver day after day for the American people. Okay, so you're part of the 23 percent of adults. (laughs) <laughs> who is not who are not concerned about the president's ability to be president because of his age and stamina. I got it. That's but, because you got to do is watch it. But 77% of adults are worried. That includes Democrats who are presumably will vote for him. What did you make of it the other day when uh, former ambassador and governor Nikki Haley uh, said that President Biden is, is, I'm paraphrasing here, but something along the lines of, you know, um, degrading before our eyes and that ultimately Vice President Kamala Harris will be president 
in a second term. Look, I, again, I'm not going to respond directly to uh, to uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, not going to do that. Can't do that. Hatch Act. Got to be really mindful and careful here. What I can speak to is look at his record. Look what he has been able to do. We literally just talked about these 10 drugs and, and Medicare being able to uh, negotiate with pharmaceutical companies, which is something that no other, no other politician has been able to do. 33 years that they've been trying to do it. This president made it, made it get, made it happen. This is a president again. And you asked me about Ukraine, right? You asked me about the supplemental funding. He did. He has done something internationally, right, around the world, which is bring our allies and our partners together, especially what we saw after the last administration. This is a president that knows how to get the work done, who is focused on the American people. That's what I will speak to. I'll speak to his record, and his record stands alone, and it is uh, something that Americans should be proud of, something that we all are proud of on all of the historic amount of le pieces of legislation. Right, but I'm He's talking about his done. age and his stamina and his ability to do the job, and you're talking about... The record, and I understand why you'd yeah. rather talk about the record, yeah. but I'm talking about what Americans see when they turn on the TV and they see, you know, Joe Biden's been in politics since before, literally since okay. before you were born, okay. and like that he's he's right. well, well, let's talk, aged. No, well, let's talk about this. as we all do. Let's talk about this, and you all talked about this back when we were uh, when we were when we were uh, marking the one year uh, anniversary, right, the, uh, of of the war in Ukraine, the unprovoked war by Russia. Mm. What did the president do? He went to Kiev. And he was there with the with the alarms blaring in the back. And people were so impressed that he was able to be there and look strong and represent uh, represent the, Amer the American people in Kiev uh, in a war zone country. And that's what you saw. I'm not right? saying he's not able to walk. No, but no, saying, but you're saying. You're of course, she's just giving you talking points, right? She's nothing. She's just like you could unzip her and inside you would just see nothing because she is just in service to the machine. Everyone, look, it's not specifically about the age, okay? It's about the cognitive situation that clearly has declined. Here's the thing everybody needs to realize and accept. We all get old. That's part of being alive. You're getting older. And with getting older, there are good things that come with it and some bad things that come with it. And some of us react to circumstances that we face in different ways. So no two people are exactly alike. I mean, I look at Ronald Reagan. In his later years, he was a little bit slower. But one thing that's different between Reagan and Biden is Reagan knew when it was time to step out of the limelight. And he did just that. And he let his accomplishments, while he was in office as president, he let them speak for himself. He didn't have people out like Corinne Jean-Pierre going to CNN. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. I, I would feel so dirty sitting down at a table with Jake Tapper for an interview. I wouldn't know what to think. I can say that because I've never sat down with Jake Tapper and I'll probably get that chance because I did this, and this, what I just said, will come back to haunt me. <laughs> That's another story. But the point is, they are trying their darndest to get the American people not to focus on the substance of what's happened in this administration. Because if we do, and we start putting the columns together, you know, the two columns 
good achievements, bad achievements, and we start comparing, they don't want us to do that because they come up way, way short on the what we failed to do is going to be way bigger and much more on that chart than the other way. They don't want that. So they pick these little bits and pieces to talk about, oh, look at this guy in the middle of that war. Sirens going off. He snuck in the cave just to prove he's the guy. It doesn't matter what we say. What matters is what we do. Now, you put that in the context of Joe Biden side-by-side with Donald Trump. There is no comparison, none whatsoever. Trump's got more substance in one of his pinkies than Biden has in his whole body. Biden's got, he's full of all kinds of stuff, but not the substantive stuff that comes with certain leaders through our history. Not everybody has that ability. And what needs to happen is the people that don't have that ability, if they're smart, they'll recognize that and do something a little bit different. Maybe do things a little bit different way, but do them. Nevertheless, get things done that need to get done. And then don't stand around and expect people all the time to come pat you on the back when you're doing the job you're hired to do. This administration doesn't understand that. Megyn Kelly, she had Richard Grinnell on her show last night. And the topic was about Joe Biden. And could Joe Biden, if he makes it all the way to the Democrat convention, could Joe Biden possibly be replaced at the convention even if he wins in the primaries maybe he could be replaced then cnn releasing a poll that led its own anchors to start a show this morning with oof when it comes to joe biden and these numbers 67 percent believe the democrats should nominate someone other than biden that's up from 54% in March. Um, only 39% job approval rating. That's down from 41% in July, which was already bad. Uh, it was 51%, by the way, in March of 21. So now it's now 39. Fewer than half of Americans believe Biden cares about people like them. Only 33% describe him as someone they would be proud to have as president. And one quarter of the electorate, only 26% believe Biden has the stamina and sharpness to serve effectively as president. That's down six points just from March. These are stunning, stunningly bad numbers, Rick. Yeah, look, I'm the wrong person to ask this. I've done seven presidential races. Um, I'm old. And uh, let me just say this. (laughs) You are not old. I don't think there's a single time that I've been on a presidential race, and I've done seven, where we don't have a moment where the media say, oh, I hate both people. I wish somebody else was running. Uh, You know, both candidates are bad and polls about, you know, both of them are bad. Look, it's the system that we have. Um, I think Joe Biden is terrible. I think uh, he's going to lose on gas prices alone. 
And yesterday, you know, he's taking away even more of uh, the the supply. And so what what I believe is that people feel this. People feel this because they have to, you know, gas up every single week. They go to the grocery store. And these are just the fundamental issues they they see. Now, the media likes to, you know, try to make it about trans issues or abortion and all of that. I actually think that that people are more concerned about their everyday uh, ability to pay for gas, pay for groceries, and to pay for, um, you know, their kids' uh you know, soccer practice and the everyday things that people are supposed to pay for. So I think he's done. Um, and I'm somebody who believes that the Democrats who are so calculating and so united will wait until it's, uh, you know, two weeks before the convention. Um, and then suddenly something will happen to Joe Biden and he won't mm. be able to continue and they'll take it to the convention and there'll be a fight with Gavin Newsom and the vice president. And lo and behold, we better come up with a, a third person. And the United, uh, the unity candidate will be Gretchen Whitmer from, from Michigan. And she'll make it all about abortion. Ooh. That's what That's I think is going to happen. Um, she won big. She made it about abortion. They want to put the first woman president. They're not going to go with a straight white male again. They'll get, they'll yeah. get completely crucified if Gavin Newsom is the is the is the guy. And I'll say this lastly. I, I live in California. I know Gavin Newsom. Uh I relish seeing him in a swing state. He's gonna get slaughtered. <laughs> this whole idea that somehow he is electable is a joke. Uh he doesn't even work in swing counties in California. They keep him away from San Fernando Valley. They keep him away from Palm Springs. He doesn't go to places that are not hardcore left. He goes from San Francisco to, to L.A. and little parts of San Diego. And that's it. That, that's so funny because I really think the love affair with Gavin Newsom starts and ends with his hair. They're like, he's good looking. <laughs> he's got nice hair. And then you actually take a dive into California politics and the policies that he's signed off on and pushed. And you recoil like the, the very Midwesterners they might get if they go with Gretchen Whitmer, I love this theory, this is actually very interesting to me, would hate what Gavin Newsom is doing to children oh, yeah. in California, parental rights. Um, I mean, we could go down the list, but that's how, is it, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but is it as easy, would it be as easy as at the Democratic National Convention, Biden says, thanks for the memories, but I'm, ba I'm bailing, and then would you please put your support behind Gretchen, and then the Democrats just vote on her? Like it can all happen right then and there? Of course, these people are are not interested in transparency or an actual election. They are interested in keeping their power. So what's going to happen? I, I look, I believe that this is absolutely going to happen. They realize they cannot put Joe Biden forward, but they don't want to have a messy primary. Uh, they'll spend a lot of money and it will be crazy. The elites are just going to pick. I mean, they do this all the time at their convention. They shut people up. Remember the famous uh moment at the convention. I was there in Charlotte when uh, Mayor Villaraigosa was up on the platform and they were voting on something and it was the eyes, it was a vocal vote and it was about Israel uh, versus uh, yes. uh, Palestine. And immediately uh, the whole crowd was like pro-Palestinian and he was like, oh, the eyes have it for Israel. <laughs> we like moved on. I was there and too. Was like I remember. So blatantly, obviously a lie. But the media, you know, they just dutifully regurgitate everything. Um, so, yeah, they're going to do this. 
um, the elites will get together at the convention and they'll spin it as like, oh, it was too late. And and so this is the rules of the convention. We got to come together and then they'll just um, hoodwink everybody. Mm. Okay. Now you say probably you know, they, they recognize Kamala Harris's weaknesses as well. And that's, that's why they'd go with somebody like from the Midwest, which is Michigan's a very important state, Wisconsin, a very important state. And all the swing states are a little bit more moderate than the politics of Kamala Harris, who was like a Gavin Newsom Jr. would would support. Um, there is, however, Kamala Harris's incredible oratory abilities, her rhetoric and its inspiration to millions of Americans. There's a new chapter on that front today. Rick Grinnell, here she is inspiring us all about eh, eh, unclear. Take a listen. I feel very strongly about um, the importance as a general matter of engaging in U.S. policy as it relates to foreign affairs in a way that we pay attention, of course, to the immediate concerns and threats if they exist, but that we also pay attention to 10, 20, 30 years down the line and what we are developing now that will be to the benefit of our country. What? <laughs> so she can't. When, when, when I see that as a Californian, it, it's it's so obvious to me what's happening in California. Kamala Harris, uh, Gavin Newsom, I will put HHS Secretary um, Javier Becerra, all of these Democrats in California rise to the national level completely unvetted. The LA Times has never vetted these people. No one in Sacramento is vetting them, except for the California Globe, which has now emerged as an amazing publication if you mm -hmm. really want to see something in California. So go to the California Globe. But everybody else is literally just uh, singing the Democratic uh, songbook. And these politicians, they get on the national stage Kamala Harris literally went from San Francisco to Sacramento to Washington, 100% unvetted. Nobody ever asked her tough questions. So these Democrats in California arrive in Washington and they think that, you know, can I say it? Their shit doesn't stink. And all of a sudden they uh, face some scrutiny and they collapse. And it, it, this is the phenomenon of the California media. It's just more of the same. Symbolism over substance. What's really there, it really doesn't matter in the scheme of things because Democrats tell other Democrats, oh, forget about what is there. We know what's there. Listen, we're going to tell you what's there. And because we know what's there, you'll find out about it later for yourself. But right now, just pull that lever. Trust us. It's all symbolic. There is no substance there. Anybody that has half a brain can provide no acceptance of the reality of a Kamala Harris as U.S. Senator from California, let alone as Vice President of the United States and then possibly President of the United States. There's no substance there. What needs to happen, and I think it has begun, small scale, but it's growing dramatically across this nation. A couple of generations after me of Americans are awakening. These are the ones that 
are the children of the ones that we raised and spoiled rotten. And they're learning they've got to get involved in their lives. They can't sit around and play video games forever. They've got to find something to root into. And that's not all of them. I wish it was, but it's not. And that's an important start. Their kids will probably move forward from where they are. And as that happens, symbolism as being important is going to diminish. And only substance is going to matter. Turn the notch back, just all the way back to the 1600s, when all those people came over from Northwest Europe and literally, literally dug a nation out of the dirt of North America and created something from nothing. They were interested in substance only. Symbolism was, it was something that they talked about when they were over in Northern Europe and they lived in a world where everything was controlled by these vapid, no substance at all, all symbolism, kings and queens and royals that were running every part of their lives having no clue of what reality for most of the people really was and didn't care. We have a ruling class that wants to take us right back to that spot where we don't have any ability to think for ourselves. We're not smart enough to figure out what's real, what's going on, what we should do, and who's telling us what is right. We're just average, everyday Americans. We don't have those abilities, and even if we do, we don't have the right to because they're in charge. They're the only ones that matter. Let me give an example of symbolism over substance. Just minutes ago, I got this. The Georgia special grand jury that indicted Donald Trump and 18 other co-defendants, you remember we heard they had recommended some unindicted co-conspirators? Well, they're no longer anonymous. They, this jury, has recommended charges against Republican Senator Lindsey Graham and two other former Georgia senators. Georgia Senators David Perdue and Kelly Leffler were not charged, and Graham too, he wasn't either. They weren't charged by the Fulton County DA Fannie Willis, though the same jury that indicted Trump also recommended bringing in charges against those three. Now, we can believe this latest report from minutes ago because it came from CNN. Trump and his co-defendants were indicted August 14th on charges related to their alleged efforts to overturn the Georgia 2020 election, including violating Georgia's racketeer-influenced and corrupt organizations. That's the RICO Act. But there are some other people the jury has recommended for charges. You're not going to believe this. Trump advisor Michael Flynn, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, who's been on this show, attorney Lynn Wood, and Trump advisor Boris Epstein. This hole just gets deeper and deeper. Graham spoke with Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and his staff following the 2020 election about potential fraud 
a conversation that Raffensperger told the House January 6th committee made him uncomfortable, according to CNN. Of course, if you do that, it doesn't matter if you're a U.S. senator, if you make a state secretary of state uncomfortable, oh, you need to be indicted and prosecuted. Purdue, meanwhile, encouraged Georgia Governor Brian Kemp to convene a special legislature. That's per CNN. And, of course, you can't do that. You can't recommend anything. You're a Republican. You guys don't have a right to recommend anything. And if you do, we're coming after you. We're going to prosecute you. This special jury convened May of last year heard evidence from 75 witnesses between June and December, according to the report. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney, he initially withheld portions of the final report, scheduling it to be entered in the public docket on September the 8th, which would be today. The grand jury heard extensive testimony on the subject of alleged election fraud from poll workers, investigators, technical experts, and state of Georgia employees and officials, as well as from persons still claiming that such fraud took place. Now, we can't listen to those people. Oh, no, we can't. They're just conspiracy theorists. They're not the real deal. And then it went on. We find by a unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election. That last phrase, that's the catch-all phrase that everybody that wants to downgrade not the possibility of vote cheating in the 2020 election, but the probability. They always throw in that caveat. Oh, there, we found no widespread fraud took place. That could result in overturning that election. Now, how the heck would they know that? Unless they did an audited, completely audit of the election and every part of it, how could they credibly say nothing happened that could result in overturning that election? They have no idea. Again, Trump filed 10 lawsuits about election fraud himself. I'm not talking about the other people and entities that did the same things. Of those 10, one of them went to trial, only one. Why not? Because they did not, according to the courts, they, the Trump administration or the Trump campaign, did not have standing in the court that they filed the cases in, did not have standing, and so none of those cases were held, were listened, were investigated, none of it. There was no evidence that was ever presented, no court hearings, nothing. The judges just threw them out. That means, if you listen to the left, that means the courts came out and said there was no cheating. That's not the truth. It's not even close to truth. In fact, the one case that did go to trial, Trump won. You hear any news about that? No. We don't talk about that. That's factual. And it somehow 
would legitimize the fact that, hey, maybe there has been cheating going on and maybe we ought to look deeper into this stuff. They don't want that to ever happen. And they have fired all kinds of heavy munitions at anybody and everybody that went public claiming there was fraud in the 2020 election. And they're scaring to this day, scaring people to death who now refuse to even have a discussion about the possibility of there being possible cheating in elections. Now, this is the nation we live in. Facts don't matter anymore. All that matters is what the left has labeled as facts. And if you don't sign on, if you don't subscribe to what they think and what they want you to think and believe and feel, they don't even care anymore if you really legitimately feel that way. You just espouse it or they're going to diminish you. Let me give you some more examples. You know, all of a sudden we're finding out our our green energy, our big push to get away from 100% gone, fossil fuel use, no nuclear, no coal. Oh, we're not going to use natural gas or certainly not oil. We're going to wind and solar. That's the only way we go. We're finding out every few days Well, it's not like they say it is. Look at what's happening with electric vehicles. Elon Musk at the dealerships that sell his Teslas, they never got asked about the battery life of those cars. You know, if it's an electric car, it runs on electricity. Well, you just plug it up in the garage. They have these special things that comes with the car, yada, yada, yada. You go to Dallas from Shreveport. You got to stop one time and charge up at their places along the side of the road, which there are, that will charge your battery. They don't talk about that process, but they won't talk about for sure how long the batteries are going to last and how much does it cost to replace the batteries. Well, it depends on the car line, the specific one, and what year model it is of Tesla. Replacing car batteries on their big car that came out like four years ago, I forget the model name. They last about two and a half to three years, a whole set of the batteries. Well, that's no big deal. You just go to the store and grab them, right? No, you go to the dealership and you don't grab them, but you do grab your checkbook or your credit card because replacing them, 30 grand. And oh, by the way, when you put those in and you do normal driving, they'll last two to three years. And by that time, of course, especially if Biden's around, Biden inflation is going to be rampant. That $30,000 replacement battery cost, it's going to be up around 40000 Now, I know some batteries are not as expensive as others, but that's not the point. The point is, the whole process of what the left have forced tens of millions of Americans to buy into is that you cannot have climate cleanliness unless you totally do away instantly with the use of fossil fuel. That, my friends, is lunacy. 
First of all, it can't be done. There is not enough alternate energy on the planet to operate the planet without fossil fuel. And then there are a few people around the world that will disagree with you, and maybe not because they think you're wrong, but maybe just because they don't have the money to live in that world and can't and therefore will not. And then you have countries around the world that they don't give a rip about climate change. The two biggest countries that pollute, India and China, they don't give a rip about it. Every week, a new carbon coal energy plant. Every week, one a week, brand new built in China. Now, if they were all in for this Green New Deal, this fossil fuel get rid of process, do you think they'd be doing that? Heck no, they wouldn't. But they're laughing at the American people because we have these hardcore sycophants that are sold out and even people that are supposed to be smart like John Kerry, they won't get up and acknowledge the fact that what they're preaching can't be done. People in Europe, they're waking up. Zero. Zero. Now, what does that mean? That was the sum total of new UK offshore wind projects that were bought by developers at a key government auction yesterday as renewable energy groups shunned the sector as unviable, even if they came with heavy taxpayer subsidies. The BBC reports potential firms argued the consumer price set for electricity generated was set too low to make offshore wind farms viable. We don't hear about those, do we? Oh, no, that's bad news. We don't talk about that. That's symbolism over substance, and it's always going to be with us. Hey, guys, that ends the show today. Thank you for being here. I want you to have a wonderful weekend. Spend time with your family and friends. We'll have our bullet points up at truthnewsnet.org. A synopsis of the week, big stories, tomorrow morning. And until Monday, have a great one. Enjoy the weekend. So long, everybody. Just yesterday morning, they let know you were gone. Suzanne plans he made put an end to I walked out this morning And I wrote down the song I just can't remember who to send it to I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days I thought they never end I've seen lonely times and could not find a friend But I always thought I'd see Gotta help me to make a stand Just gotta see me through another day 
taken And my time is at hand I won't make it any other way Oh, I have seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days and what they never Seen lonely times when I could not find a friend, but I always thought I'd see you again. So I'm walking my mind to an easy time, my back turned towards the sun. Lord knows the cold wind blows Like to turn your head around Hours, hours of time On telephone lines Talking about things to come Sweet dreams and flying machines In pieces on the ground Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen the sunny days Thought they'd never end I've seen lonely times But I could not find a friend But I always thought I'd see Somehow one more time again Thought I'd see you one more 